Hey guys, welcome to the Delta Flyers. We are a weekly podcast that discusses episodes of Star Trek Voyager in chronological order. Your two fantastic hosts along this podcast journey are myself, Garrett Wong, aka Ensign Harry Kim, and the talented and handsome Robert Duncan McNeil, who portrayed hmm. Lieutenant Tom Paris. If you're interested in either an extended version of this podcast or the extended video version of this podcast, both of which include added bonus fun segments, check out Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the Delta Flyers and sign up to become a patron. Very nice. Talented, handsome. Nice. You can keep those in the script, in the formal script. Some of these improvs, you know, I'm, I'm fine if you want to keep them. So how you been? You all right? You good? Good. Yeah. Okay. I'm good. Okay. I'm trying to think what's up in life. Mm, nothing. You know, more <laughs> of this quarantining. Just well, you... more of, I, I, like I talked to everybody I talked to goes, you know, this started, everybody said, oh, a couple of weeks, we're going to shut down our office or, you know, a couple of weeks. Yeah. And four months later, we're kind of in the same place or five yeah. months later, you know. Yeah. Well, it's time is, it's just weird well it sucks because it you know like california reopened and now shut back down again because yeah. it, i think it was a little bit too early so this, there's now spikes again in in, in the cases and it's kind of it's kind of yeah. scary to be honest so, yeah yeah um so this week's episode yes is projections we're into season two and boy it's exciting into the thick of season two yes uh, this is the third episode of season two and for those of you who are our patrons, we are about to play a game of what do we remember for everyone else who's listening to this podcast. Please stay tuned as Robbie and myself go and watch this episode and come back and give you our analysis. Thanks, guys. All right, guys, we are back from watching this episode projections. Yes. Robbie, you want to give your synopsis and then I'm going to do my short haiku version. First of, of all, I was right. Yes, you were. I was right. I remembered something. <laughs> Dwight Schultz. Barkley was there. Barkley yes. was there. I did not remember that Jonathan Frakes directed this episode, but yeah. I knew maybe that's what I was doing. I was shadowing, so I bet that's why I remember this one. Uh, basic synopsis is we start with uh, the, the episode opens up with a doctor on a ship and the computer says there's no life signs. He's by himself. They've abandoned ship. And all of a sudden things start getting weird. You know, the, some of the crew shows up, Alana shows up and has a story about all this damage. And then the captain is, is on, on the ship. We find uh, they've been in a battle. It seems like the doctor can now travel around the ship they tell him they've got holo projectors all over the ship. He starts to become a hero and he starts slowly having symptoms of human physical feelings. He starts feeling a headache. He starts feeling uh, hungry. He starts feeling all kinds of things. So eventually Barkley shows up and uh, tells him that, that uh, Voyager's not real, that it's all a simulation. It's always been a simulation and that he's actually a real human and Voyager was the simulation. It says the only way you can get out of this is to destroy the ship. And he comes very close to convincing the doctor to destroy the ship. And suddenly Chakotay appears and says, wait a minute, this is not true. Barkley's not real. This whole thing is a simulation. Your program has been affected by this subspace anomaly. And um, 
we're trying to fix it and get you back online. And ultimately he does get uh, back online. So a really exciting episode, actually. I, I enjoyed it. I thought Jonathan Frakes um, appearance as a director was later. I didn't think this was it. I thought, I thought his first time directing was the episode where we have the robot. Um, I think it's prototype. So yeah. which is later in this season. So I, I, I was confused. I was like, wait a minute, did Frakes begin this quickly? And yes, his name is on this episode. So he obviously did begin. He did this. Season. Well, when I, when I saw his name, I was like, you know what else? I, because I've continued to work with Jonathan, I'm going to reach out to him and we're going to get him on this podcast. I think Jonathan uh, directed this episode and then maybe a couple more in season two, mm-hmm. as I recall. I feel like by yeah. season three, he may have directed one, but that's when, uh, you know, Jonathan was supposed to direct Sacred Ground, the episode that I ended up directing, my first episode. Um, that's why I, I got that episode was because Jonathan was supposed to direct it. And then he was approved to direct First Contact, the feature. And that, because he had to back out of our episode to go do the First Contact, um, it left an opening, a last minute opening. And that's why I got that first opportunity. So. Do you think you would not have directed season two if that uh, opportunity did not open up for Frakes? It was season three. I, I always think that I directed season two, but it was season three before I directed. Oh, okay. I think I would have directed eventually because I just was determined. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. I, think, I think it would have happened, but it may not have happened for another year or more. You know? Where's your poem? I want to hear, hear the synopsis. This time yes. will be my first time doing the haiku, which is five oh, syllables, wow. seven syllables, five syllables. So I have to be extremely succinct. Okay, so. Let me just get, let me just relax. You ready? Just, I just want to take all this in, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm ready. And I'm going to, for those of you who are watching our video podcast, I'm going to kind of, kind of with my fingers number off the syllables so we know that. Okay. okay. So, five, seven, five. The doctor appears. Is he real or projected? Radiation bad. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Good. The five seven five appears. Yes. The doctor. The doctor appears. That's five, right? Is, Is he, he real, real or, or projected? projected? At seven, radiation. Bad. bad. See, the last stanza, the last line of yes. uh, verse was the most difficult because rad- radiation already took up four radiation. of my five syllables. Yeah. Yeah. Ra- so I only had a one syllable left because I wanted to say like the radiation bad. was was at fault, caused it, but you, there's nothing that could fit one syllable bad. <laughs> other than the yeah. So I go radiation bad. So <laughs> it sounds a little preschoolish, Good. but you know, no, I like that. Poem. So this episode is written by Brandon Braga, directed by Jonathan Frakes. Before we start getting into the nitty gritty, I just want to say that that the laptop that the doctor uses in sickbay, yeah. which is similar to the laptop that Kate uses in her ready room, right? Yeah. Is very bulky. Oh, it's huge. It's massive. And that's that's the one thing that sort of doesn't stand up over time, like the test of time. When you watch this, you sit there and go, whoa, that's a 90s era laptop, you know? Well, even that, a tricorder, my God, look at my phone. Yeah, your, your phone like, is more, more, my more phone is smaller than a tricorder. <laughs> than a tricorder. I think that's they just true. kept, you know, they built these props in 
the eighties for, uh, for next generation. TNG. Yeah. And because we were sort of stuck in that timeline by the, by the right. time the nineties came around, we're kind of stuck with those, you know, it wouldn't have made sense if we're in the same timeline and we have better, you know, um, technology than next gen did. So they just sort of kept the same designs so that our timelines all fit, but our designs were stuck in the eighties, even though the nineties had, I had a, an Apple laptop back then. Mm -hmm. I forget what it was called. The one thirty-five or the one ten or something that Apple, mm -hmm. the first laptops and they were smaller, even in 1994, yeah. my yeah. laptop was smaller than our, than our props on set because they were yeah. the props were designed in the eighties. Yeah. So we can blame it all on TNG. Yeah. It's their fault. Stuck okay. with their old technology. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I will say that I loved this episode. I really, really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I thought uh, just from the very first shot. Okay. It was super simple, but it was beautifully composed and graphic when the doctor appears in, in that darkened sick bay. And it's just kind of suspenseful and he moves forward and the camera pushed in and it was one shot, one simple little scene. And to me, I was like, I'm in, like, this is exciting. I want to see okay. why, what's going on here. And I yeah. don't always feel that way. I feel like sometimes we sort of sneak into our stories, and, you know, and they're so much more complicated than they need to be. This was just right dead on. I thought Dwight Schultz was great as Barkley. So it was refreshing to see, um, to see that character. And I thought it was, you know, over, these are all overall thoughts, but I thought it was beautifully directed by Frakes. I think he did some really cool stuff um, that we can talk about as we go through, but like that opening shot, I thought it was super effective and it was a wonder, just one shot. Didn't need a ton of angles to make it exciting. It was, you know, suspenseful and tense and uh, yeah, I liked it yeah, a lot. Yeah, he did, he did create that, that, um, that tension. For sure, yeah. and there's the suspense is there because you, you're really not sure what's going on. You're thinking, is this a dream sequence? But then why is the doctor dreaming? You know what I'm saying? Like he's yeah. not, he's not, a, he's a computer program. And yeah. not until not until you get to the mess hall scene do you really, for at least for me as a viewer, do I start to then question this reality? I, right. I start thinking, well, what's what's happening? Because it's it's more like because it doesn't seem very realistic that he's he's keeping this vicious Kazon warrior at bay with, with, with bananas, bread, with a bread roll and fruit. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So it's it like, seemed what? a little silly. Yeah. It was like, it's a little silly. Why, why is this food fight happening? You know, I, and I'm almost wondering, was it scripted that way that he's like, was he throwing food at him specifically? Or did Frakes go like, Hey, wouldn't it be funny if he's just throwing like food instead of uh, kitchen utensils at him? So I'm wondering, you know, was it scripted that way? I'd like to look into that script and see what it says. Well, it's funny. I had the, I had the same feeling in the mess hall scene. I thought, you know, by the time we got there and, in that part of the story I was already like this something's I don't buy this like this is mm -hmm. not real but but right. backing up before that so yeah. right right after that first scene in the opening credits we come into the doctor getting all this information from the computer about this battle and the and the crew had to um, evacuate and you know escape pods and everything yeah and I thought it was beautifully done because I remember uh, Rick Berman saying something that I've always remembered as a director. He was watching a, a cut of an episode and he wasn't happy with it because it was just, the actors were standing there talking and the camera wasn't moving and there was no movement from the, the characters weren't moving. They were just standing and talking. And he okay. said, you know, he goes, you know, 
they call this motion pictures for a reason. He goes, it's not a still life painting. It's not a photograph. You don't just stand there. He said, I want the camera to be moving or the actors to be moving. So that scene with uh, the doctor in sickbay, he's listening to the computer, but yet the shot was this 360 that sort of followed the doctor around completely in a circle as he listened. And it not only gave the movement like Rick was talking about, but it showed you that, that he's alone, that nobody else is here. Like it, yeah. it created this suspense. It was a very simple shot, but those kind of things to me, I, you know, I noticed those things as a, as a director and just as a viewer, you know, yes. the, the choices were very smart. That story that you just said, you actually told that story. No. But I, you know, that, that advice from Rick Berman, I've thought about that a thousand times in the last yeah. 20 years, you know, that's oh, something yeah. that always comes to mind. So it's, well, it's, it's worth it's repeating. A really, yeah, it's a good piece of advice, Yeah, you know, and it's one of the few pieces of advice that he, you know, dispensed to anybody, I would have to say, because like I said, in seven years, I saw the man twice on the set. So, <laughs> yeah. so the fact that you got anything out of him is fantastic. Well, know? I would go up to the office and I'd watch, you know, the, the producer's screenings of, of, of edits of the show yeah. because I wanted to know what does he like? What does he not like? So that, right. you know, he would have confidence that I, I knew what he liked and was able to direct and give him what he wanted. So. Do you think he learned what he knew about, uh, you know, filmmaking? Like that story, yeah, yes, exactly. Was that from Roddenberry, or you know, know, did Roddenberry pass that down to him? I'm curious. I don't know. Yeah. What's well, funny sure. with with things like that, whatever lessons we learn in life, you know, we pick it up from somebody who picked it up from somebody before them, yeah. and they picked it up for you know the, the story goes on and yeah. Um, especially in this business, because it's mm -hmm. such a, in, in TV and filmmaking, it's a craft that I think is uh, sort of passed on, you know, cinematographers learn about lighting and about camera and stuff by doing it. Actors, mm -hmm. I think, learn, actors learn these techniques by doing it, whether it's in an acting class or film or, you know, on set working or, or a little of both, you know, you pick yeah. these things up. So the more you do it, the more you learn, the more you do it with people who really know it and love it. You pick right. up these little, you know, tools and these little slogans and these little sayings and they stick with you. So. Definitely. Um, getting back to this episode, I really, back to that mess hall scene with Neelix fighting off the Kazon warrior. Yes. <laughs> and then the doctor shows up. He crawls between that opening in that bulkhead, and, yeah. and, he, and he looks like a human slinky, basically. He does that <laughs> little thing. And I just started thinking, huh, there's a lot of humor in this episode. And that, yeah. and that is really an imprint of who Frakes is as a person, because he's, he's kind of a goof, you know, when it, when it comes yeah. to that. He likes to, make, he likes to make people laugh. He likes to entertain people. So I, I feel that this is sort of the Frakes stamp of, uh, of his persona on this yeah. direct, you know, as, as a director. Yeah, there was some funny stuff. Yeah. There was definitely some funny, it wasn't just the actors being funny or the lines being funny, right. but it was the way that Frakes staged it and shot it. I would like to ask him that, and I think that's a good question of, of that specific moment in this mm -hmm. episode, whether or not he came up with that, or was that a doctor-suggested thing? Because I can almost see Picardo going, you know, Jonathan, I think it'd be very interesting if I went through this opening and <laughs> looked like a human slinky or I, I looked like a human snake. What do you think? And then I think Frank's, you know, yeah, let's give it a shot, you know. So um, that will be something that I would like to 
to question him about. Yeah. Um, I love how when Neelix is is going back and forth with the Kazon and the Kazon shoots at him and he he jumps up and he's like, miss me. He does his little like, childish <laughs> little Yeah. And that's another point where I started really realizing, okay, this may not be reality at this yeah. point. It's a little because it is, it's very suspenseful, it's mysterious, and now you've got these weird elements where, you know, yeah. Elix is do, acting like he's in kindergarten, right? Yeah. And then um, and then the doctor does that weird thing, and it's it's just, it's um, it's very Twilight zone you know, at this yeah. point for me. It's also funny to me that I, I noticed when Balana came into sickbay, before he goes to the mess hall, and she talks about these uh, remote projectors that they've installed on different decks, and that they've been working on a a remote or portable projection technology. Because mm -hmm. I already sensed, like you did, that this is not real. This is not gonna yeah. turn out to be reality. I, right. I didn't remember all the plot, but I did feel yeah. that way. But I thought it's interesting that they're bringing this up because that's going to come to pass. They're gonna Correct. come Later. up with his portable, you know, holographic emitter, that it's interesting it came up in sort of a fantasy episode, that the yeah. ideas were sort of, brought up in, in mm -hmm. this fantasy episode. We have the appearance of, of the very popular character of Barkley from uh, TNG that everyone mm -hmm. loves, played by, by the uh, very talented Mr. Dwight Schultz. Um, and he, he, he says the Voyager. And I don't know why this bothers me so much. I know, you're really. I, I'm really, because yeah, technically, if you, if you think about it, like people will refer to, you know, it's the Enterprise, yeah. right? It's the, and it's, it should be, it's the Voyager, but I don't know. I guess just, just the sounds, way that it was, yeah. it sounds weird because I think the way Paris in that very, you know, early episode, how you, you turned into camera and it was so dramatic. It's the Voyager. Like that changed everything for me and how I, I react <laughs> you can only to remember I, my reading. What, the way, I, what I'm hearing you say uh, is that yeah. my reading was so unforgettable that you can't ever imagine that said any other way than how I said it. That's what I'm hearing. What I'm saying is that you should have received an <laughs> Emmy. You should have received an That's Emmy from outstanding acting for a dramatic series for that. Yes, for it's that the line. Voyager, for that yeah. line. Yeah, I, I, I really, yeah, you were so memorable. I can't get it out of my head. Another thing that bothers me is I, now it's been a couple of times that people say, let's get inertial dampers back online. Like we talked about it uh, in, in another episode we, and you hear it in this episode. I thought it was dampeners. D-A-M-P-E-N-E-R-S. I thought it was dampeners the entire time. I and now I'm listening to it. It's dampers. I've been adding extra letters into this, this, this word. I think you have. And this, this piece of technobabble that I, I, I now have been, I'm totally beside myself thinking, how did I not know that it was dampers? And, then, and why am I thinking it was dampeners the entire time? I, I, I don't know. Um, dampers. Barkley, dampers. Barkley says to... Uh, to the doctor, he says, you have HTDS, hollow transference dementia syndrome. Yes. So this is what I'm going to use when, when Bob Ricardo starts getting a little older. Um, if he starts getting forgetful, I'm going to say, hey, bud, I think you've got HTDS. And he'll yeah. be like, what is that? Don't you remember from the episode? Projections, hollow transference dementia syndrome. I think that's, yes. a, that's it's a thing. It's really a real nice medical. It's a real sci-fi medical thing. <laughs> It's yes, a real, it it's is. a real fake medical thing. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, Reginald Barkley showing up was very cool. Yeah. I like, even though, of course, it turns out that this what Barkley is saying is not true. Yeah. 
I like this idea. What a cool idea. That's one reason I like bought into the story. Like, oh my God, what if yeah. the doctor is really the human and that this has all been, we've been watching this story from a different perspective and now we're coming around to see it, that it's there at Jupiter station. And mm -hmm. this whole thing has been a six hour, you know, uh, simulation that he was yeah. supposed to run like wow it blew my mind and usually usually I don't like when like there's an episode I, I think I even said that while I was watching it at one point I'm like oh if this all turns out to be fake I'm gonna be mad usually that's how I feel <laughs> but at the end of this one I was like no that was cool that was a cool ride you liked it oh yeah, yeah. I, I definitely I think for me it just it, like this kind of episode it's so confusing to keep track of everything that it, it hurts my head sometimes. I'm yeah. just sitting there going like, ah, oh, it's not laid out for me like I want. So I was a little uncomfortable watching this episode, but you know, I was it's very, still a good episode. I was very comfortable and very happy, I'll admit, when Barkley slapped the doctor. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. I was going to say the exact same thing because it was payback. Really, so you you didn't get to hit the doctor, but Barkley got to smack him. It was very satisfying. Really well, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but then, then the, doctor the doctor slapped him back. Slapped him back, yeah. So then he, then it reminded me of some petulant child who always has to have the last word. With I know. Us, you know, and I it's know. sort of like, you know what? You're the kid. Just shut up and just take it. Take you know? your but slap. No, take your slap. You know, but the, this 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 was the doctor getting his. And why did he slap him back? I didn't understand that. I other, don't know. Than, other than him sort of like, I've got to get you back. You know, I. I just, I, I don't know. <laughs> I thought that was a little weird. Yeah. I would love to see if I could, I don't know if you can, you've got pretty much all the scripts, right? Like you have. I've got a lot of them. Everything. Yeah. Can you fish this one out? I'm just curious. I'll try if to. You, if you give it, give it a shot and see if um, you can find the projection script. Let's see just, if it, I just maybe the fans have, there. you know, there's scripts out there that have, that I've seen at conventions, fans have collected scripts. So if anybody can find out and see, did they script it? You can go to the page in, in uh, projections and see if it's scripted that yeah. Barkley slaps the doctor and then the doctor slaps Barkley. I'd be curious about that. I'll look yeah. myself. Yeah, look um, it up. I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there that are just, that, that people have basically transcribed our dialogue, but it doesn't have the business in there. You know, it doesn't oh. have like, and then the doctor does that, you know, that was- Yeah, it'd have to be an original writer. script. It'd it has to be an original script. So if you have the projections original script, folks, let us know. And if we, yeah. you know, hopefully, if we find it before you do, then we'll let you know. I thought it was funny when, uh, not funny, I was kind of insulted actually, when, when he says, uh, computer, delete, delete Paris. And he deleted me. And then he deleted you, by the way. But he did. Did I, did I delete him before? I'm trying to remember. I feel like I, I did. I don't know. I, I don't know. I feel like Paris I, deleted the doctor. So I feel like that was payback. Yeah. I, I, I the part where Barkley goes, um, talking about uh, about you, about Paris. And he's like, I modeled him after my cousin Frank. And I thought, boy, they missed out on this. They really should have said, he should have said, I modeled him after my cousin Nick Lacarno. You know, yeah. that's what he should have said, but he didn't that's do true. that. Yeah, that would have been interesting. That would have been great. That's genius. You're right. See, look, I, I should be the writer right here. You really I, I should. Think, I, I think I'm a born writer. The doctor is given a choice. Yeah. Destroy the ship or you're going to die. You know, the doctor made a comment. He said, why did I program Paris to be so annoying? Yeah. Like, yeah. Did, they, did the writers really have to do, like? No, that yeah. was just uncalled for completely. Yeah. I, agree. I feel like you were being punished for something. 
I know what it is. I, that's something that the, I don't know what it is, but the, the writers like later as we get into this, I'm going to, I will be telling a story season four, I think four or five where the writers are, they're so passive aggressive. They actually write in things to the episode whenever they want to discipline us or, or say, or give us messages. And it's just, it's the most ridiculous thing because you would think as a human being, if you have an issue or you want to tell us something that you would call us into your office or send us a memo saying, Hey, right. this is what I feel. But no, these writers somehow, I don't know, maybe they were afraid of us or something I, that I physically, you know, I that, think it's they, natural for the writers eventually to start to kind of mix up the actor, the real life qualities of actors and, you know, like I know, I, I know we do it on shows that I work on as a as a producer director. Okay. Like you know what this person's strengths and weaknesses are, and you sort of incorporate those a bit into the writing of the character. All right. But when it when it becomes like, you know, why did I program him to be so annoying? I don't know. Why did you write him to be so annoying? <laughs> like, <laughs> like. You know what I mean? Like, if, yeah. you, if that's what you think, then maybe you wrote it that way. And maybe you yeah. should stop writing those things, like being a jerk in Sandrine's and saying yeah. horrible things about, you know, Native did you American take people. Did you take offense to hearing that when- A little bit, line? a little yeah. bit. I gotta be honest, a little bit I did. Because I feel like it's really, you know, giving the doctor a joke, if you wanna call it a joke, it's not really yeah. that funny, at yeah. the expense of another series regular, when it's just kind of petty attacking, you know, it's just a nasty sort of thing. I thought, like, why did we have to say that, you know? Yeah, I'm gonna write although this I was, down. Although I was kind of annoying in this, I didn't have a lot to do in this episode, but I was yelling a lot. <laughs> get over here, doctor, yeah, get to this yeah, patient. But you, were, but you were doing what you had to, this, that scene took place right after we got thrown into the Delta Quadrant yeah. and there's mass chaos, there's injuries and casualties. So you were playing it the way your character should have played it, which is we need your help because he's the only doctor on yeah. there. So I don't think you yelling had anything to do with you being annoying. And he deleted us both. He did. Yeah. That was, that was horrible. It was I'm mean. Gonna, yeah, I, I'm not too happy about and, that. And then um, they go into engineering, I think, after that. Yes, right? they're in engineering, yeah. and um, that's where the doctor talks about, uh, he's, he's having this whole discussion with Janeway, and she's like, who are you? We're going to put you in the brig. And he's like, no, I don't think so, blah, blah, blah. And you're going to be, uh, you're going to experience, you're going to meet the caretaker or Banjo Man. And I love Banjo Man. That yeah. was kind of cute that, uh, that Brennan put that in there. So there's, you know, there's, there's a decent amount of humor in this writing, I felt. Very, so. Yeah, I thought it was very well. I, I, even though I might be personally insulted by, by some of the things that Paris did and had to do and was said about Paris, I, mm -hmm. I really liked this episode. I thought it was well written, well directed. Mm -hmm. I thought Bob did a great job. Dwight did a great job. Kesh shows up, but she doesn't have any pointy ears on. It's just Jennifer Lean's she, regular ears. And this human. idea, yeah, and this idea that she is. Zimmerman's wife in real life was kind of crazy. It also made me slightly uncomfortable because Jennifer Lean, when she was on our show, was like 12 years old and Bob Picardo <laughs> was like 150. Um, but it was a little, it's a little, the whole Dr. Cast thing to me is like, it's cute if it's a, it's a kind of a crush from a distance, you know, but I don't know. This episode, like making her his wife, 
She's too. She young. could have been his. She could have been his daughter. His daughter, quite yeah. easily, right? Let's and let's get the let's get those ages right. I, I I'm going to say that the doc, um, he's 15 years older than me, Robert Picardo. So, uh, that would have put him at roughly 40 um, years old when we were filming this. 40. She was 20, and she was 20 at this time, probably. Yeah. So. Um, and then yeah, she so gave him. It's a little creepy. She gave him a she big did. kiss, and I was like, she, "Oh, I, Jennifer I don't remember is too that at all. young." She's too young to be kissing this guy who could be your right. dad. You're right. You're right. I don't Especially at that, that age. It's 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 one thing a big age difference, but I'll, I guess what I'm saying isn't isn't just the big age difference. It's the fact that how young she was at the time. Yeah. And yeah. and her character was supposed to be like two years old or something, right? So right. So, I mean, so she was. It's even. Yeah, Jennifer was young. The character's very young and innocent. There's just something kind of creepy about it. I think what keeps it from the from going into this 100% creep zone is the fact that Jennifer's voice is so mature. Yeah, she, she seems has, like an old soul. She has a really, really old, you know, just a resonant, full. But isn't that what pedophiles voice. always say? She seems so mature. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> not kidding. It's... I'm gonna bring up. I, I'm gonna bring up. There's a there's an Indonesian rapper named named Rich Brian. And he kind of hit the scene where when he was 16 years old, he filmed his own music video. And, and they showed this video to these American rappers, like famous rappers, and they were blown away because he, he looks very young, very 16, but his voice is 100% man. It's wow. mature, it's low. And, and the way that he is portraying himself in this music video because most rappers let's face it they're, they're gonna wear rapper type of they'll yeah. have the chains they'll look more they'll look more like flavor Flav or mr t from the a team as opposed to just somebody just wearing random regular clothing i like the a team so, reference with D dwight schultz in the you, in there you episode, go you like that i'm pulling yeah. it around buddy yeah yeah, yeah. so i there's a there's a video his, that song is called that stick s-t-i-c-k and i i highly encourage you and everyone else to check this out All this right. guy is, is unbelievable he's wearing a buttoned up like uh izod sh uh, polo shirt he has a, a fanny pack on it's so atypical from what a rapper would wear wow. right so but very very um very impressive and you should watch the youtube video of the rappers watching him because they are mm. just like oh my god this guy is amazing um and so i really think that kept it out of the creep zone Man, for some reason for me like the doctor kissing Kess or Kess kissing the doctor is almost like Patrick Stewart kissing Wesley Crusher's best friend, some girl. Like, are you not bothered by Neelix kissing Kess? Neelix, well, the character of Neelix played by Ethan, Ethan Phillips is older than Bob Picardo, right? Yeah, Am something I, about it being an that alien. That doesn't bother you? Something oh. about it being an alien who's kind of ageless to me. Like, I can't tell if Neelix is, is uh, you know, 20 years old, like a child. Sometimes okay. he seems very childlike. Okay. You know, even though he's been right. through, he seems like a young man to me. Yeah. Behind okay. all of that, you know. Okay. Even though I know Ethan Phillips in real life is older, but something about the character, just the story of saying this young girl right. is, is attached to this youngish kind of spirit. Whereas I, feel, I felt like with Bob, He's in a human form and certainly doesn't feel young to me, if anything, you know. He right. Felt, he felt uh, his age. 
I don't know. I mean, it wasn't, like I said, to me, it didn't creep me out that much. I mean, that's, that's such a common pairing that we see in our society now, rich, bald, older guy with young, you know, uh, trophy wife that that's, that's, that's almost commonplace. Right. I guess, like I said, it's just because I knew that Jennifer was really like just turned 20 or something when we started. Yeah. She was a baby. Yeah. Of course. She's a kid. Um, And then they start writing her with all these relationships with grown you know, middle-aged men. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> uh, anyway, I just love that entire uh, the entire banter between the doctor and and, and, and Janeway. Yeah, in that whole sequence he, was great. He's like shutting her down. She's like, "Excuse me," like like she's really like like well, who is this? And he keeps talking back to her. And then, but the thing is, he's not trying to be rude. He's just stating the fact. That one part where he says the entire crew of Voyager will be transported to the array, where you will be tortured and probed for medical information. It will be quite painful, but not fatal. Picardo was yeah. great in there. I think Frakes directed. You know, they're basically in one room for a long time for almost the whole act. Yeah. And uh, yeah. and it never felt claustrophobic or boring. You move the camera, the actors moved around, the performances mm-hmm. were funny. It was great. I thought it was awesome. Chicote yeah. enters engineering and kind of stops the doctor from phasering the warp core and destroying the ship. You know, you see that mm-hmm. scene where he's like, doctor, stop, you know, we're, we're doing this, blah, 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 blah. And now the doctor is like, wait a minute, you're telling me everything that Barkley is telling me now. And so now who do I believe? And that whole, the minute that Chakotay entered, I just started getting flashbacks of watching Arnold Schwarzenegger in Total Recall. I don't know mm-hmm. if you remember that film um, where he's on Mars and there's that whole scene where, where Schwarzenegger is trying to figure out, is he in the dream or is, he, is this reality? And then when he sees the one guy that is trying to pull him out, that's playing basically either the Barkley or the Chakotay character, yeah. when he's trying to tell him like, you know, if you, if you do this, you, your, your, your brain is totally gonna be, you know, uh, it's gonna go to mush if you do this. And then Schwarzenegger notices that one bead of sweat kind of dripping down the face of the guy trying to stop him. This is not, you're not part of this simulation. You're, <laughs> you're, you know, that, why real. would you be sweating? You're for yeah. real. And that's when he shoots him, right? So yeah. I kind of got little shades of that when I was watching. This. Yeah, what else you got there? Just listening to, just referring to her as Kess Zimmerman was weird. That was more weird to me than the doctor kissing her. Just like Kess Zimmerman. It yeah. was so like, huh? Okay. Um, but I think this whole thing about her being the wife is just further proof that the doctor is in love with Kess. And oh, yeah. Neelix, Neelix has nothing to worry about Tom Paris. He has more to worry about the doctor than anyone oh, yeah. else, right? Well, so they even say later on when, because he says, as he wakes up in sickbay, yeah. and he says, oh, you're so beautiful. And, she's, and yeah. she says, you thought I was beautiful? And, right. um, and then the real Kess says at the very end, let's just let this be our secret. because. Because yeah. Neelix is very jealous. And I thought, that's creepy that she's like saying, let's have a secret now. I don't know. Yeah, don't know. it is a little creepy. It is creepy. And also, I wonder, there's parts in this episode where the doctor gets angry. And I'm, I'm wondering, is, is, is his computer, is his program constantly learning and he's now experiencing emotions like that? I mean, because wouldn't he well, just be, you know, wouldn't he, wouldn't his delivery be very monotone and wouldn't, wouldn't it not be infused with all this emotion? Like, I, I don't know. I mean, it wouldn't, it just. Well, that's be- what I loved about this episode overall was the fact that, that, and to me, it, it, it speaks to what I think the theme of the episode is, which is about sort of this, um, this kind of miracle that the doctor is able to grow and evolve and discover real human experiences, pain, pleasure, love, feelings, 
anxiety, stress, all the things that he experiences. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, um, you know, from a purely technological standpoint, maybe, maybe he wouldn't have all that, but, but that's the ultimate question is like autonomous sort of artificial intelligence learning and, and, and then becoming human in a way, you know, being able to reflect and learn and grow and have memory and experience and, yeah. Can you clarify on that? Because I had trouble with the underlying message, because if you're talking about the underlying message is him experiencing these kind of uh, this growth, that's really the message for an AI. You know, what is the message for humanity, you know, in terms of like, how can we be better? Well, and I think that the theme to me is what is my purpose? Who am I? You know, mm. who, who am I meant to be? And I okay. feel like in the story, when he was faced with mortality, when the doctor was faced with a human mortality, that he was able to sort of experience and ask these questions in a way that you, you know, and I can relate to that. I think, you know, often when people are faced with a huge crisis in your life, you sort of look, you're able to step back instead of just plowing ahead the way you always do things and look at like, well, what is my purpose? Like, how did I get here? And, and where do I want to go intentionally? And I think that was the experience for the doctor is he was faced with mortality. Normally he wouldn't be. Normally he's just a holographic doctor. He's a program, but he was able to experience life beyond just being a program. He was able to experience mm -hmm. pain and feelings and mortality, literally do or die. And, mm -hmm. um, and that was able to kind of shed some light for him on who he really is. Okay. That, that's good. the theme. That's the theme to me. All right. That, that, that helps me a little bit more to, to get a little grasp of, of this, this episode and, and what the theme is, because now I can extrapolate what you just said. Yeah. And, and I can correlate what's happening now because mm -hmm. the crisis is not our mortality. The, well, it kind of is when it comes to the pandemic, but the crisis is the, is the pandemic that we're going through. Like everybody yeah. is going through this same, like never before in history, except for maybe the Great Depression, have we, if we had this disruption in our daily lives, right? Where everyone's told, okay, stay home for months and I like, don't do anything yeah. for months. That's never happened before. As long yeah. as you and I have been alive, nobody's yeah. ever told us like, hey, like when we didn't, when we were in sixth or seventh grade, they didn't say like, oh, guess what? School's completely canceled and we don't know when it's going to go back in session. This is, yeah. these, are, these are times that are, that are unheralded. I mean, we've never ever experienced this before you yeah. know they're, they're, this is new territory so and it's so scary you look at and, that and way, you do feel mortal you feel you feel vulnerable you, you feel that you know yeah. yes and i think when those things happen you sort of are, are able to kind of get a vision or a or a, get your priorities in place or kind of yeah. reset the answers to those questions of who are you really who are yeah. you what do you stand for and what do you what do you care about what matters. Right. And that's, that's yeah. what, that's the lesson I got from this. this episode. Okay. Yeah. I, I like that. Yeah. And I, I guess the only other note I really have here regarding this episode is that um, the doctor does grab his head in pain, just like I did in parallax when I was doing the old Shatner rest sort of, ah, ah. and so the doctor too is like, ah, ah. he's got his hand on his head too here. So yeah. it's okay. It's a classic move. It's a classic movie. We're not right going to criticize it. Right out of the actor. It. It's right out of the actor it's, classic it's right playbook. The, it's right out of the Shatner manual of acting. That's right. We've, we've all taken a page out of that book. Yeah. Um, do you have any other notes about this episode? No. Right I'm, no. Okay. All right. I, so I loved more, it. I loved okay, it. Okay. On a, on a scale of one to 10, 
yes. of 10 being the most favorite. Where are you, where are you going to throw this episode? I'm just curious. Up there. I'd put it up there. Would you give it an eight? Eight or nine, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I love this episode. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a six. I'm not gonna right. better than most, but it's not something that's like, yeah. I'm, I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Um, so but I, I also understand that that coming from a directorial, you know, viewpoint, you, yeah. you see certain things where you're you were drawn in to this story. Yes, um, for sure. And you were you were invested compared to some of the other episodes where you're like, oh my god, really? Is this is this what you how you're going to end was, season one? I was one? invested. <laughs> uh, let's just go back to what we were talking about recently about putting the emotional values on series regulars, not on yes. guest stars, not on Correct. characters we've never met before or yeah. will never meet again, and Correct. you know, aliens and you know the the aliens should exist to teach our series regulars lessons about life. Mm-hmm. You know, that's in, from a storytelling point of view, we should meet aliens because we need to learn something about ourselves and about, about our, who we are. So that's what I loved about this episode is that the plot, everything that happened, happened to enrich a character that we're invested in already and that we're gonna continue to be invested in. Yeah. And, um, and it and to me it really enriched that character. It enriched uh, the world that all of our characters exist in. It allowed Kate and and Balana and you know uh, Janeway and Balana and 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 all of us to kind of play our characters and add to the story, rather than leaning into guest stars or aliens or yeah things like that. So. Well said. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, thank you to all of our listeners to the Delta Flyers for tuning in to our discussion and analysis of the episode projections. Stay tuned next week when Robbie and I will deep dive into the episode Elogium. Elogium. I just like that name, Elogium. I just like to say it with that accent, Elogium. Elogium. Now we're we're sounding like the Vidians. Madura Elogium, with that uh, (laughs) exaggerated theatrical British accent. Um, So, yes, so next week we will be covering Elogium. All right, right, guys. Live long and prosper. See you next week.